Turned on it. High drive in the left field. field. Gone into the White Sox bullpen. Turned on it. Swing and a miss. Strike three, and this one's over. Sox win. Sox win. In time, and the White Sox have won the ball game. There's a high fly ball to deep right field. At the track, at the wall, but it's gone. Luis Robert. High fly ball, deep center field. Packing up his Merrifield. And this one's gone. Into the shrubbery at center field. Eloy Jimenez gets one in the air. Deep left field. Back, track, wall. Gone. Luis Robert with a walk-off. This is White Sox Weekly. The Chicago baseball conversation on the flagship home of the Sox. 720 WGN. Robert hits one in the air, deep into left center field, way out of here. Luis Robert. Anderson hits that one in the air to right center field. Gone. Right center field, home run, Tim Anderson. Drilled at deep left field, forget about this one, way out of Kauffman Stadium. That's a three-run homer for Luis Robert. Here's Mark Carmen. Oh, it's on. Looking at the standings right now. According to ESPN.com, they would know... The White Sox, White Sox, excuse me. Welcome to White Sox Weekly. Mark Harmon with you till five thirty. When I'll have your pregame show, Sox and the Tigers coming up tonight. Game two of the three-game series. Ronaldo Lopez on the bump tonight. Good luck to Ronaldo. Big start for him. We'll talk about that. Some busy show, by the way. Hawk Harrelson coming up in the four o'clock hour. Adam Hogue will be with us at the bottom of the hour. Cody Hoyer out of your White Sox bullpen in Missoula, Montana is going to join the show as well coming up here. I also want to get a little audio file together. 312-981-7200. We love our White Sox radio broadcast, but I know you also watch White Sox TV as well. So it was Jason Benetti's birthday this week. If you want to call up and give us your favorite things about Jason Benetti, we will put together a little happy birthday belated MP3, won't we, Curtis? And we'll send it over to Jason because, you know, we are, we're all teammates here on the White Sox broadcast world here. Uh, and Jason's been very kind to this show. So I figured we'd, you know, what's your favorite thing about Jason? 312 981 7200 if you want to jump on in here. So the White Sox are in the playoffs according to ESPN 100% likelihood of being in the playoffs at 28 and 16 coming into tonight's game one game up on the 28 and 18 Minnesota Twins and two and a half up now on the Cleveland Indians in the playoffs I thought it was going to happen I thought it could happen I thought it might happen I thought we should be talking about it happening but now it's actually happening and I'm just curious what expectations are for the playoffs. What would be a successful season? Is it already a successful season? I would say it is. You didn't, like, what was the nightmare scenario this year going into a pandemic in a 60-game schedule? Well, going 20 and 40. But even then, like, the record wouldn't have mattered as much. It would be more Lucas had a bad year, Tim regressed, Eloy, Luis, whatever. Any young player did not perform to the level that you thought they would. None of that's happening. They're all having good years. Eloy's hitting 285. Huge three. Actually, can we hear that? Let's get a little love from Eloy last night winning a ball game against the Tigers. Let's do one right here. I'm, I'm fingers crossed. There's a high fly ball into left field. 
Back it up is Bonifacio. At the track. At the wall. This one's gone. It's a three-run homer. Eloy Jimenez. And the White Sox with one swing, as requested, have taken a 4-3 to lead here in the sixth inning. Pitch was up. Eloy was ready. Eloy takes it out. Eloy's been phenomenal. Eloy's got 12 homers. Eloy's got 33 RBIs. Eloy's about as likable as they get. I mean, he's been phenomenal, right? Luis Robert, been phenomenal. And will it be better? 260 the batting average, 324 is on base. He's got 11 homers. He's made 17,000 plays in the outfield. Some of them as sweet as you'll ever see. I mean, I've loved him from day one, running across right field, right in front of, hey, is that you, Nicky Delmonico? Okay, I'm just going to catch this. That's right, Kelly Leak. Bad News Bears for all you old school Bad News Bears fans out there. Tim Anderson, you couldn't possibly top last year, could you? Well, to this point, he has. Hit 335. Last year, he's hitting 343. He's been better at short, too. Yohan Moncada has not been better this year, but I'm not worried about that at all. He's clearly dealing with some leg issues, and I don't think there's any reason to be concerned. What's most interesting to me, looking at the playoffs and looking at the rest of the regular season, is how will the White Sox attack their catching position? How much time does James McCann get there? How much time does Yasmani Grandal spend DHing and or playing first base? To me, the White Sox are better with McCann behind the plate. He catches the baseball. He's you can put it in the dirt, you can throw it wide, you can throw it wherever outside of over his head, and James McCann is going to catch it. Yasmani is a great framer. And a valuable left-handed bat, but I'm sure Ricky Renteria and Rick Hahn and everybody else I think is seeing the same thing. So that'll be interesting, because there's no way he's not going to be starting the games that uh, Lucas Giolito's pitching, but will it be more and more? You're, you're in win-the-whole-damn-thing-now mode, so feelings are not going to matter here. Yes, you got a huge you know contract in the offseason to come to the White Sox, but you know what? We we need to put our best defensive unit out there, best lineup out there, all of it. And to me, James McCann has got to be your catcher uh, come playoff time here. Weekends, by the way, are better spent at the ballpark cheering on your Sox. You can reserve your spot to see them live in 2021. Let's talk some ticket plans, group outings, and more. Call or text Sox Ticks 312-674-1000 or you can visit whitesox.com today. 312-981-7200 if you want to jump on in here. And Sox fans, you can enter the home run sweepstakes that are presented by Modelo for your chance to win this season. A White Sox player hits a home run on the Modelo Modelo bottle in left field between September the 11th and the 27th, which was yesterday, all the way through the end of the year. You can win an autographed jersey plus one lucky grand prize winner will win 2021 White Sox season tickets. How sweet is that? All you have to do is sign up, enter today, go to whitesox.com slash HR sweeps. That's right. You can win White Sox season tickets. Whitesox.com slash HR our sweeps 312-981-7200 if you want to give in give some jason benetti love here and also like what would make a successful white Sox season for you at this point is it all gravy nothing 
going forward is whatever they do in the playoffs, that's sweet. Or, you know what, maybe they need maybe just to really feel like a satisfied White Sox fan right now. we got to get through at least one playoff series. Uh, real quick here, Mark, you got something for Jason? Go ahead. I just want to say, uh, well, I was part of the Chicago Olympic Committee, and uh, when I was growing up, I had dyslexia, and everybody said, well, you're not going to be nothing all your life and everything. So, and um, But Jason Brady showed a lot of uh, humanity, being hum- the humanity of uh, of having disabilities, and I think he's a great person, and um, keep up the great work. Thank you very much. Yeah, back at you, Mark. Thanks for checking in. I really appreciate that. 312-981-7200. I think we're going to have Cody Hoyer coming on back here. Quick timeout, 720 WGN. It's 720 WGN, right out of the White Sox bullpen on the White Sox Weekly today. Cody, Cody Hoyer, right out of Missoula, Montana. Cody, I've loved watching you this year. Are you having the time of your life? Let's start there. What's it been like for you to be a part of this ball club? And I, I'm assuming you feel like you belong here. You've had a bunch of success. <laughs> uh, it's been awesome so far. Uh, coming out of the bullpen for the Sox has been been a dream come true. And uh, I mean, it's been awesome. <laughs> I, I got no more words to explain it. Did you expect to get an opportunity this year? Um, you know, I try not to look that far ahead, you know, just uh, doing what I can. But, you know, I got lucky with COVID, and that helped me out, and I had a good spring training. And, you, you know, I, I wanted to say I expected it, but, you know, ne- you never know what's going to happen. So um, that was the goal, and obviously we're here. Break that down the way you look at it the lucky from COVID part? How do, how do you think that impacted your year? Well, I think it helped some guys out. You know, some guys got opportunities that maybe might not have gotten opportunities before. And um, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have if COVID. You never know. But uh, it obviously didn't hurt my situation. So, um, yeah, that's what I'd say. So who else has made it to the big leagues from Missoula, Montana? Oh, uh, nobody. I think I'm the only one. <laughs> so how did how did you do it? That's that's a cool little feather in your cap. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I show great great pride in being from Montana, and I, I got to represent for my boys up there. But uh, I don't think there was one big secret to doing it. It's just uh, a little luck and a little hard work. Well, because I'm just thinking about you know the guys that you're competing against. A lot of them. You know, they come out of Florida, they come out of Texas, there's baseball year-round, you're going up against the best competition. That wasn't what I'm assuming you had growing up. Right, right. Coming from the cold-weather states, a little different. Uh, We obviously didn't even have high school baseball. Um, So when I moved to Colorado, I I was able to play high school baseball, but in Montana, we didn't have high school baseball. There was always snow on the field, so (laughs) it was a little different. So wait, hold on a second here. There was, you're telling me, if you had stayed in Montana, your high school did not have a baseball team? Correct. I would have played uh, Legion like a summer ball team. Oh, that's unbelievable. So did, <laughs> did, did your family move to Colorado because you had talent, or was there something else? Um, my father's job, first and foremost, and, and obviously they want to get their kids the best opportunity possible, so I'm sure that had, had part of it. Um, but, yeah, I moved to Colorado and 
got to play some high school ball, and that's that. Fossil Ridge High School, is that correct? Yes, sir. <laughs> I like that name, Cody. I'm, is that how many were in your how many in your graduating class? Was it a big school? Uh, about two hundred, I'd say. Okay, so not super tiny, but not huge either. Right. And and brother, sister is just trying to get a whole picture of. Are you the oldest, youngest? Where do you fall? Uh, I got an older sister. She's about four years older than me. Okay. So they kind of, it seems like they might have kind of moved for you, but you don't want to say it. Am I missing that? Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I won't go on there saying it. Okay. Well, if they, if they did, <laughs> my, you'd, my you'd... sister's feelings. <laughs> Are you getting any texts from your sister slash family? I'm assuming they're super proud of you. Yeah, man. They're so proud. Uh, I try to stay in touch with them as much as possible. I wish they could come watch me play, but... Um, you know, I reach out and, and obviously keep in touch with them as much as possible. Yeah, well, fingers crossed that uh, next season that can all happen. What was uh, what was Wichita State like for you? It was awesome, man. I got to meet so many cool dudes there. We had great coaches. Um, facilities were awesome. You know, I ha- some guys I played with there are doing it in the big leagues right now, like Alec Bohm. He's killing it for the Phillies. I love to see that. Um, I mean, yeah, our class of guys were so great, and I wouldn't be shocked if there was – a couple more in the big leagues here pretty soon. When did you know you had the talent to be here, Cody? Um, you know, in the back of my head, I always thought I had the talent to be here. That's that's the only way you got to be, I guess. But uh, when, in spring training, when it started getting closer and closer and realizing that I wasn't that far off, uh, yeah, I'd say in spring training, it kind of clicked. And I uh, thought to myself, I could do it this year for sure. All right. I mean, I'm just thinking back to your first appearance this year, and I, I'm not remembering what game it was. The whole thing's a blur, even though it's a 60 game season. But I, I was like, who the hell is this guy? He looks like he belongs right now. That's you looked like you had confidence from day one. I don't know if you did or you didn't, but that's what it looked like to me. <laughs> definitely, definitely want to exude confidence on the mound, and and you know, and and have the most confidence in yourself and in your stuff, and then. At the end of the day, usually it works out pretty good for you. Yeah, you came in against the Twins, on, on I'm sure you remember it, on July the 24th, one inning of, of work. Um, you struck out one, didn't allow, didn't allow a hit. You, wh- how have you, like, let's just, I'm just going back through a year here. You go in against the Royals, your third outing, you go one and a third, you give up three hits. Was it challenging, and you've had other outings where you've, you, know, you got knocked around a little bit by Detroit. Like, for you, coming back the next day and not holding, you know, yesterday's, Whatever level of disappointment it is, has that been easy for you? Is, have you always been a guy that can you know just drop it real quick, or do you, or is it still a challenge to kind of just okay, new day? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be back out there. If I get a chance, I'm gonna do great. Yeah, it's something I've been good at, um, just being able to to flush it and and not even worry about it, and come back to the park the next day and and worry about that day. I mean, especially coming out of the pen, you got to be able to do that. Um, you know, baseball is a hard sport. Hits are gonna happen. Runs are gonna happen. So you just worry about controlling what you can control, and, and that's all you can do. Five and two-thirds innings in September here for you. Six strikeouts, one walk, haven't given up a run. I don't know if it's, I'm allowed to say that to you. I feel like that could be jinxing you, but regardless, <laughs> you, you've, you've had a, you, you seem to be getting better and better here, Cody. Anybody in the bullpen sort of taking you under their wing, giving you a little bit of the old, this is what it's like to be in the big leagues experience? Oh, I mean, I'm just trying to take info from everybody I can, man. And it helps. It helps. We have two all-star catchers back there. You know, as a rookie, that's all. That's. I mean, I got no complaints there throwing to Mac or or Yaz. I mean, those guys are awesome at what they do. And everybody in the bullpen's been awesome to me. You know, I've just been soaking up as much information as possible. 
and uh, it's been great so far. Coop, talk to you. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me and Coop have had some good talks. What what is what does Coop tell you? Um, I mean, we're always talking about how we can refine my stuff or or you know little goals we have here and there. You know, throwing certain pitches for more strikes or or whatever it may be, just to get better that day. And and so it's been really good so far. White Sox reliever Cody Hoyer with us here for a couple more moments on 720 WGN White Sox Weekly. What's the one at bat down in the bullpen that you make sure you don't miss? The one at bat? Well, I'm like, who? if someone's coming to the plate that you're making sure you're not doing some stretching and or whatever, you where you're having a conversation and you're just watching the entire, I don't know, Jose Abreu or Eloy Jimenez or Luis Robert, or maybe you're just watching them all, Cody. I don't know. Oh, man. Well, I would say... Luis Robert, because I came up in the minors with him, and man, he's fun to watch. But right now, you got to watch our whole lineup, man. Uh, we're dangerous, and it, the whole game's fun to watch, honestly. What was it like with Luis in the minors? It was awesome, man. He's different. He's he's so talented. He's he, he's so athletic. It's it's fun to watch. Different is uh, I, I love that word to describe him. Like I mean, the, at the start of this year, when he's there's a fly ball to right field and. I think on that play that I'm thinking of, Nicky Delmonico was in right, and he comes flying over and makes a play. I'm like, oh my God, this is like, I don't know if you ever saw the original Bad News Bears, Cody, but like this guy's like Kelly Leak making plays out here. <laughs> That's right. Was he was he doing that in the minors too? He was. Yeah, it's been that. It's been like that for since ever I've I've played with him. You know. Have you seen him hit a ball as far as he hit the one in Kansas City? I actually have. That was probably the second farthest ball I've ever seen him hit. What was the other one? The other one was in Birmingham. I think he cleared our scoreboard by a long shot. <laughs> Man is supremely talented. All men are not created equal, Cody, just so you know. <laughs> uh, and, and you as well, by the way. Uh, most of us can't throw a 95-plus mile-an-hour fastball. What? Uh, let, I'll let you get on out of here, but what are you? Uh, how are you looking at the rest of the way here for for you guys? I mean, you're in a stretch here where you don't have a day off till the end of the season, and uh, you know, obviously you're – all expecting to be in the playoffs, but you know, I don't know what does seeding look like. What is every? Does it feel different right now, knowing that you got a you know a huge opportunity that's going to be in front of you? I mean, you know, it's the same feel in the clubhouse. We're, we're just trying to make this last push and keep playing good baseball and keep our head on straight and you know keep our head down and, and try to do something special. You know, Cody, best of luck, man. Congrats on your success to this point, and uh, you are definitely representing Montana. Actually, one more question: Do you? Do you Hunting, fishing, what's your best moment in that you think of as a kid? Any, I don't know, do you do that stuff? I'm assuming you do. Yeah, big hunter, big fisher. Uh, grew up bow hunting with my dad, and I would say elk hunting, bow hunting, that's that's definitely my thing in the off season. but usually we're playing ball during the fall, so it's a little tough to get out there, so I do what I can. So you can just like sit there and be quiet and like wait? and in, 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 <laughs> Is that how it works? Like you, and, and then you're getting... You, shoot the bow and you and your dad have big dinner is that um... uh yeah something like that <laughs> yeah i grew up here i'm just, i'm trying to i'm trying to get in there i need a trip to montana baby one of these days yeah you do everybody does everybody does cody thanks so much good luck today hey thanks for having me uh i don't think we need to uh, adjust to that you know because that is the weather we just go out and uh do our best uh and Go out and take care of business, you know? Let's not get worried about the cold weather. Nothing is getting in the way of this White Sox ball club. Ain't that right, Adam Hogue? 
Well, I do have some concerns about October, but right now, come on, it's like 69 degrees right now and humid. The ball should still be flying out. Uh, and I do think, Carm, that it's it's much better to go from the warmer weather and transition into the cold where you've already been swinging the bat well and kind of used to, um, you know, you're in your routine compared to when you go from Arizona in March to Chicago where sometimes it's snowing at the start of the season. Uh, and that's that's much harder to me. I think this will be more of a gradual thing. And uh, as hot as the White Sox are, I, I think they'll be fine. So Adam Hogue covering the White Sox, NBC Sports Chicago, WGN Radio with us here on White Sox Weekly. What in your mind would be a successful season at this point? Is it does do they need to do anything more than they've done as far as just getting in the playoffs, period, and having a lot of guys having really good years? Yeah, I mean, certainly from a developmental standpoint, it's been a success. And whatever happens here going forward, you're going to feel good about this squad in 2021. Um, I do think, though, that you still got to take advantage of the opportunity in front of you. Um, not to make this about football all of a sudden, but, you know, I remember saying the same thing about the Bears in 2018. You know, okay, it's been a great season, but, you know, you actually do have a good team in front of you and don't squander the opportunity to make a run right now. And sure enough, they lost in the first round. And when they came back the following year, things weren't the same. Now, I think the White Sox are set up for success next year uh, in a much better way, a much more consistent uh, level not only in 2021, but 2022, 2023. That's always been the goal here for general manager Rick Hahn, and, and he said that multiple times over the years as he's put this squad together. Um, but, you know, you're here, you're good, and I think it would be a disappointment if you were to lose that first quick three-game series. I mean, it's a best of three. All it takes is to lose two quick games, which happens, uh, and you're out. That would be, I think that would still be disappointing. Um, if you get past that, though, then you're basically in what the playoffs normally are. And that, then at this point, was kind of always the, I don't want to say it was necessarily the goal. I think it was the goal for the, for Rick Rensery and the players to make the playoffs this year. But um, yeah, I, I think at that point it would be a successful season. But certainly from a developmental standpoint, it's already a success. Getting texts here coming in saying "talk bears." We don't do that with Adam Hogan on White Sox Weekly, although, <laughs> although I believe there is a game tomorrow against the Detroit Lions. Uh, so maybe we'll slip in one question on the back end here. Who who do you think? I I, I, mm, I want James McCann catching here, Adam. What do you think? Well, here's the thing. Um, it's probably three or four weeks ago now. At this point, maybe three weeks ago. I asked Rick Renteria about, you know, how do you, why doesn't James McCann play more? Why isn't, why isn't it just that easy? To just put him in the lineup, find a way to get him in there. He's so good. Um, and his answer was great because it provided some insight as to why they think in 2019 McCann's numbers kind of fell off a little bit. Um, and there was a, essentially an admission that they used him too much. Because you may remember he was getting in there and DHing a little bit last season, and his numbers as a DH weren't good. And it felt they felt like it wore him down a little bit more. 
Um, so as kind of torturing as it can be to see a lineup and not have James McCann in it because he's playing so well, I think they're they're making sure that he's when he's in the lineup, he's going to be most effective, if that makes sense. Um, and I thought it was a great answer from Rick Renteri and kind of gave us some information that we maybe didn't have before. And um, you know, I, he's he's such a key piece to the team, not just in terms of what he does offensively. I think his catching is actually underrated a little bit. And, um, you know, he's just a great presence in that locker room and one of the veterans on the team. I, I'd love to see them find a way to bring him back. Um, difficult, but... Uh, he's he, like I said, he's such a key piece, and um, you hate to lose him. In the meantime, I guess I like the way they're handling it. Um, as long as they're when he's in, when James McCann's in the lineup, he's doing amazing things. So keep it that way. Yeah, it's interesting him being a free agent at the end of the year, and I think going into the year, everybody assumed that he would be gone, and somebody would step up with a big offer for him. But now. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We have no idea what the economics of baseball are going to be in 2021, how much people are going to be offering for a guy like McCann. Maybe he becomes affordable for the White Sox, and you're seeing his continued value. So I don't know how Yasmani would feel about DHing a whole bunch, but and I don't even know if it matters how he feels necessarily, but it seems to me that that would be a conversation the White Sox will definitely want to have with James McCann. Yeah, not to like jump ahead of the offseason. You know, White Sox have a chance to win a World Series. Um, but there's an option to pick up on Edwin and Carnacion. So, you know, I think there's a lot of logic if you just take the dollars out of it and everything you just said, Carm, is fair uh, across the entire sports landscape, quite frankly. Uh, this next coming year is going to be very, very interesting in all leagues to see how teams handle uh, the finances and what kind of contracts they're giving out. Um, but, hey, there could be a lot of logic there, and, hey, maybe you don't pick up the option on Encarnacion and you keep McCann and Grandel, but that gets back to the idea that they are catchers. They do need days off. It's not just – and neither one of them actually has great numbers as the designated hitter. So it, that, that's all – those are all things that need to be taken into consideration in that conversation. Adam Hogue with us here on White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. What gives you the most confidence going into the playoffs this year? I love saying that, by the way, on September 12th. Because <laughs> ESPN's got them at 100% likely to be in the playoffs. So I'm going to assume that, you know, it's fait accompli at this point. Yeah. Well, technically they're 100. Does that mean they've already clinched? Don't you have to be a. That's, what, have to, that's what I thought. Like, doesn't it mean that to be. <laughs> I don't understand it. You could be 100. What are you talking about? I guess, Maybe ninety nine point nine, right? You, but, yeah, and I get it. They're going to be in. Uh, there's eight teams making the playoffs this year, and the White Sox are going to be one of them. But how do you like? What are you talking about? Your playoff percentage? You, you, maybe it's ninety nine point nine five five, and they're rounding up. I don't know, but there's definitely a chance that they lose every single game and don't make it. I haven't done all the math on this, but if they they would have clinched then, and they haven't clinched, so I don't know how it's a hundred. This is a stupid conversation. But what? So what? Let's get back to the other <laughs> side of it. What gives you confidence? that they can make a deep run? Well, I, I think it's um, the uh, I think it's the offense. I think it's the fact that let me put it this way. It seems like they're just never out of a game. 
Really? I mean, and last night's a great example. Um, you had a great pitching matchup going on there, and then all of a sudden, Giolito gives up a few runs, and you're like, oh, man, the way the Tigers are pitching. I mean, the White Sox are getting no hit. How are they going to win this game? And then, bam, before you know it, they have the lead. That's the kind of clutch hitting you need in the playoffs. Uh, and it gets tougher because you're facing good pitchers every single night. But like game like last night, I, I think – I think gives you confidence that they can get those types of clutch hits that you need uh, in the playoffs. I still have some questions about the pitching, but you know what? I, I've been saying that since early July, um, and they keep finding ways to weather the storm through injuries, through uh, having to send Reynaldo Lopez down. Um, they, they seem to have enough, enough pitching, and Dane Gunning has just been – uh, an amazing addition, and he's a guy. Why not? I know he's a rookie. Why not? I don't, I'd love for him in a playoff game right now. Go ahead, put him out there the way he's pitching. So, are you saying you'd start Dunning over uh, Dylan Cease? Is that what you're saying? Well, and that these are conversations we never had before because we're talking about a best of three to start, right? Um, with those games mattering so much. Yes, I think I would. I mean, wow. honestly. But think about it. If you're, if you're, uh, by the way, this is great having this conversation right now in September uh, for the White Sox. But think about it. If you split the first two games, you have to win that game. Would you rather have Dane Dunning out there or Dylan Cease right now? And, and, and by the way, I like Dylan Cease. I mean, I, got, I don't have any problems with him. But um, Dunning's stuff. The one thing about Cease, he's keeping his, his team in games. And he's been doing that all season, but the strikeouts haven't necessarily been there. So I like Dunning stuff out there. I like I like that hitters have looked foolish uh, many times going up against him. So I, I don't know. But that's a that's a fun debate to be having right now. Well, and they're definitely having it between Rick Renteria, Don Cooper, Rick Hahn. They're not going to tell us about what exactly what those conversations are like, but they're definitely having it. And it's a, it's a huge decision. Look, Cease's stuff is better, but – he also has trouble finding the strike zone at times, and he could start up the ball game in the first inning, and all of a sudden you're behind, and, and, and now you're dead. And maybe they'll think, you know what? We're not going to sign up for that. We're going to go for Dane Dunning. I, I personally would start Cease myself. I, I'm going for the higher ceiling of stuff and overpowering, and then I can bring Dunning in in the middle of the game. That's how I would do it, but... I don't think there isn't necessarily a right answer right now. I mean, nobody knows, but that that's that's a huge decision. Well, and, and neither pitcher has been able to go too deep in the game, so that's not a terrible way to approach, you know, that type of game is using both. I mean, those are the types of things you see in playoff games these days, and you get creative. Um, I'm fascinated to see what it looks like once the White Sox gets that point, and hey, according to ESPN. A hundred percent chance. So we're gonna we're gonna be there. I mean, look, they know, and, and they're they're on top of their game. So I appreciate it. All right, I'm up against the break here, Adam. I always appreciate you on, brother. So thank you. Uh, all right, Carm. Have a good weekend. Yep, you too, Adam Hogue, covering the White Sox. We didn't get to any Bears talk, but he was on. He will be on Hamp and Ob with Kaz next Thursday as well, doing the double coverage of the Sox and the Bears. Hey, bring up a part of White Sox history you can commemorate. Giolito's first career no-hitter with a limited edition ticket. Each ticket will include a unique seat location. They're on sale now through September the 13th. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Giolito 
to purchase yours today. And Sox fans, you can start planning your 2021 outings to the ballpark. We have party areas of all sizes that can be perfect for you and your group. Call or text Sox Ticks to 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com today. Hawk Harrelson coming up at 415. We get on back here. We're going to hear from Rick Hahn a bit who uh, talked with the media yesterday. Rick covering a bunch of ground, including what that playoff rotation is going to look like. We'll do that next. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. White Sox and the Tigers coming up. Big night for Ronaldo Lopez. His fifth start of the year, and it's been a battle for Ronaldo. I'm seeing a lot of action on Twitter with people are trying to convince themselves that Ronaldo is going to have a good game tonight. Hey, I got confidence in Ronaldo. Let's go. Big night tonight. Nine and two-thirds innings, though, so far this year. 14 hits, nine runs, ERA 8.38. It hasn't been good, but maybe you can turn it around tonight. Summer is almost over, and the fall semester is right around the corner. Are you concerned about how to pay for your children's education? Figuring out a plan can be scary, but at Kaplan Law Firm, they have solutions to make this journey as easy as possible. Ray Kaplan and her team will help you find solutions that often do not include private loans. They can also help you work out lower payment arrangements on existing student loans. Give Kaplan Law Firm a call, 312-294-8989, or visit financialrelief.com. All right, 312-981-7200. What would make you happy with the White Sox in the playoffs? Just getting in, going all the way to the World Series. Just curious, I'll take the old temperature of the White Sox fan right now, 312-981-7200. Let's hear from Rick Hahn. We were discussing with Adam about the playoff rotation, who's going to be in there. Uh, this is what the White Sox general manager had to say. There does come a point over the course of this season where we are going to have to uh, hopefully prioritize the playoff rotation over the immediate games that lay in front of us. Uh, when we just certainly not going to pivot to that prior to clinching a spot, but after we do, we'll have to have some conversations about uh, how's the best use of our starters going forward in order to put us in the best position to succeed uh, in the postseason. Obviously, we we want to do everything in our power to win the division. Uh, However, regardless of where we're seated for the postseason, unless we have our rotation in the proper proper order come the postseason, the seating's not going to matter. Uh, so eventually, that will become a priority. Uh, until that time, you know, our plan is hopefully the guys we have out there are going to be taking the ball every fifth day, uh, and that Dallas uh, is able to rejoin us when his his turn comes up again next Thursday against Minnesota. So that's obviously the huge key, getting Dallas Keuchel back into the rotation, out with the back injury, and you would think that Dallas would be starting Game 2 of the playoffs. Interesting, you know, Rick's obviously not going into the Dunning versus Cease conversation. He's just going into how will we set up the rotation. And the White Sox may or may not have that luxury. It depends on how much they care about seeding. I don't think they're going to care a whole lot about that. But, you know, it, certainly home field advantage means nothing right now. If you look at the statistics, it's basically a split on who's playing at home. I guess you'd rather be at guaranteed rate field, right? You're a, much, you're a great offensive club. You want to play in that ballpark. You don't have to travel all of it. But at the end of the day, it probably doesn't matter. And, you know, baseball is, you know, as far as the rest of the playoffs, look, you're, it seems to be there's going to be bubbles in Texas 
and California created. So that is interesting. Uh, with the White Sox, you know, you, the first series would be at home, but then the rest of the ALCS, the White Sox would not be playing. Uh, this like seating at that point really literally means nothing. Uh, back to Rick Hahn, and yeah, this is a playoff run. So how much does veteran leadership help a bunch of his young guys right now? You know, it, it, look, it's a unique season in a lot of different ways. Uh, but one thing that this schedule shares with past seasons as well as what we're looking for in the future is having ourselves in a pennant race in September. In other words, like what we're experiencing now, even in a truncated season and even with an expanded playoffs, is similar to what some of these guys have been through before in the in the past and what we're hoping becomes an annual rite of passage for us here over the next several years. Uh, I think the sort of calmness and stabilizing presence from those guys, you know, when you have a game get away from you, like the first day in Pittsburgh, uh, their ability to keep the clubhouse focused on, on the matter at hand and come out of the gates, you know, looking good that second day and second day in Pittsburgh, despite the, what was a tough loss the day before, you know, we dropped the, the last two in Minnesota and we came out fighting right away in Kansas city. Uh, that's a testament to the coaches and to the players that have been here, but also to that mentality that uh, some of these veterans that have been through pennant races before have helped reinforce here over the last several weeks. And I think when you think about veteran leadership, especially with the 2020 White Sox, you go back to Dallas Keuchel, and I'm calling out the team after a game in Detroit, where he did not like what he was seeing. He told everybody in the locker room after the game or in the clubhouse after the game, let me get my baseball terminology correct here, clubhouse, not locker room, baseball, told him, hey, this is not the way you go about business. If you want to be a winning team. And by the way, I'm going to go. I'm I'm going in to talk to the media right now, and I'm going to tell them the same thing. So expect to see it in the paper and or online wherever you consume your White Sox news. The losing tough ball games that will play in, especially if things get dicey down the stretch here and or in the playoffs. You do need when things start to get a little heavy, a little weighted, and the pressure mounts, that veteran calming leadership, it, it matters. And the White Sox have a lot of it. Plenty of guys who have been through it, uh, including Yasmani Grandal. And, and Jose Abreu hasn't been playing in the playoffs, but I certainly would think that he would keep a level perspective. So, And James McCann, too. A lot of veterans in there that I think will help guys through. And plus, like you go back to last year, AAA Charlotte was in a playoff race themselves final game of the season Nick Madrigal went five for five on the last day and I'm like okay that's a guy that's coming through huge when it matters most I thought that was just a big deal that happened at the end of last year the White Sox did not that the Charlotte Knights did not end up making the playoffs but they were playing meaningful games down the stretch all right last one from Rick here hey Rick you watching the scoreboard see what everybody else is doing I'd be lying if I said I wasn't aware of what the teams that we're in competition with are doing on a nightly basis or any, uh, you know, health issues they may be facing or roster decisions they may be facing. Uh, you know, yesterday was an off day, so I was looking forward to enjoying some family time, and then all of a sudden I'm watching Brady Singer's no-hitter, uh, which has effect on, on our pennant race as well. So uh, I'm not immune to it. Uh, I think we should all, you know, White Sox fans, I hope, are embracing this time and enjoying this stretch run. And, and part of that is 
you know, caring what goes on in uh, in Minneapolis and Cleveland, even when you're uh, when you might have an off night. So it's a, it's part of the fun. Yes, it is. And the Twins and the Indians are playing each other tonight. Zach Plesak and Rich Hill on the mound. We will be paying attention to that one as well. All right, uh, news coming up. Hawk Harrelson at four fifteen at seven twenty WGN. That's the thing. You know, I was I was frustrated. I ended up giving up three runs. I, I couldn't make it through six innings, but I. While I can be frustrated with my own performance, at the same time, I, I go back in the clubhouse having full confidence that we're going to get back in the game. I, I knew that, you know, the offense w- would wake up and, and, and pick me up, you know, get us, get us right back in there. And sure enough, they, they did it very quickly. I, I think it's just a, a part of a really, really good team. It's Lucas Giolito after the game last night. Sox beating the Tigers four to three. Giolito threw a lot of pitches in five and two thirds innings, 114 of them, 72 strikes. And he did give up the three earned runs, walked four, which is too many, which drives Lucas nuts. And he also struck out seven. Evan Marshall came on and got the win, and our guy Cody Hoyer, who was on the show today, got a hold, his fourth on the year, and Alex Colome continues to dominate. In the closer role, his ERA is at 1.08, 16 pitches in the ninth last night for Colome for his 10th save. So, I just want to update you if you're not paying super close attention to what baseball is planning for the postseason. The American League is going to start out, as the National League will as well, with the first series in your standard ballparks. But if you win the opening series, which is a three-game set, The American League is going to shift to Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles and Petco Park in San Diego for their two-division series. Uh, Petco Park, of course, the home of the Padres. Dodger Stadium would be the home of the Dodgers. Very good. Uh, The National League postseason is going to be played at Globe Life Field and Minute Maid Park in Houston. And then the NLCS will be exclusively played at Globe Life Field. And that is where the World Series will take place as well. Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. Now, this is contingent on what happens with the virus between now and then, but I think it's really smart for Major League Baseball to create a bubble like we've seen in the NBA, like we've seen in the NHL that's been incredibly successful. It's interesting to me, will they try to give some extra time as the players get there to truly create this bubble where they get tested and they know that everybody in theory that's actually playing in the bubble is negative and there will be no interruptions. Now, you still have to allow food and everything else to come into the bubble, so how do you exactly do that? And playing at Globe Life Field is not like being in the bubble at Walt Disney World. But I think baseball is definitely right to try and do this. You don't want to have a situation like with the Cardinals and or the Marlins happen in the playoffs. Then it would get real confusing. What are we going to do? Wait two weeks or a week? Whatever it would be. That would be obviously a disastrous situation. By the way, um, you know, back to our general manager Rick Hahn here. As far as just playing games with not having fans and these huge games and the bubble coming up here, uh, Rick, is it strange for you? You know, strange probably isn't the right word. It was certainly strange early on and took some getting used to. Now you're kind of used to the visual when you're watching it on TV or when we're in the ballpark, sort of the the expanse of empty seats you've sort of become used to. I think the 
series like the ones you've highlighted down the stretch, uh, and ideally at some point here over the next 17 days, we're clinching a playoff spot. Uh, the absence of fans is going to be felt during those times because, like, you want to be able to celebrate this with the people who are, you know, supportive fans, got people who have been through this rebuild, people who this means a great deal to. And while, you know, through social media and through some of the interactions we've been able to have remotely, you, you feel that excitement. Uh, I'd be lying if I said that you, we didn't feel like potentially be missing something by not being able to celebrate with our fans uh, the potential good things that lie ahead of us. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully everybody wears their mask and we get back to that real soon. Wear your mask. There you go, Rick Hahn. Put it out there. Exactly right. But so, celebrating the White Sox going to the playoffs, for sure. If you're starting to win playoff series that would have been at home, that would really hurt. But I'm just even thinking about last night. You're down a couple of runs. Eloy's at the plate. You're in the pennant race. It's a Friday night. Always a great crowd on Friday nights with a little extra. The work week is over going on at Guaranteed Rate Field. Eli hits that bomb, the place is going nuts. I mean, so it's cool to be sitting at home and watching White Sox baseball, and there's nothing we can do about it. I get it. But it continues to dawn on me, actually, like how much the fans are missing this year, how much you're missing, not being able to be there. And I know that you wouldn't be going to every single game, but maybe you would go to a game down the stretch, and maybe you would see something really cool. Uh, it's and again, nothing you can do about it. But I, I, I just keep thinking about it. Like this would be a ton of fun to be out there this year um, on both sides of town. By the way, I mean, and and what and then the whole concept. Like, what happens? I don't think this is going to happen. But what happens if the Cubs and White Sox actually played in the World Series against each other? Now, my whole hey, we got to open up the ballpark. Well, that's I mean, we're, there's going to be a bubble. That's not even remotely on the table. Uh, one more from Rick here. And I think this is the best thing about the season, by the way, is watching these the rookies rise to the occasion and thinking about the experience that they're going to have for not only going through this year, but then 2021 and for, and beyond. Rick, what's it like for you to watch all your guys come up here and have success? It, it, it's been fantastic and really one of the huge, huge benefits of this season. I mean, I, I literally sat in this spot at the start of the second spring training and said to you guys, uh, how important it was for us each day to get these guys out there and competing and ideally in a pennant race and ideally in a, in a postseason environment so that they have the opportunity to continue their development and take that next step towards being part of a championship caliber team. So thrilled that these guys are getting the opportunity to play, even happier with the fact that they're getting the chance to excel and you know, really looking forward to what the next few weeks and into October ideally holds for us, this group. It's it's a it's going to serve them extremely well, uh, not just over the course of the next month plus, but over the course of the next several years as we uh, again are hopefully doing this on an annual basis. Rick Hahn's got to be your general manager of the year. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Actually, don't call right now because we're going to have Hawk Harrelson next. White Sox Weekly seven twenty WGN. It's 720 WGN. I had such a fun time watching NBC Sports Chicago the other night. Tom Seaver getting his 300th win. Hawk Harrelson, Don Drysdale on the call. Howard Cosell popping into the booth. 
Hawk's joining us now, which is awesome. I assume you remember that day, Hawk Harrelson. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, uh, that was a great day in, in Sox history, and it's also a great day for a great guy. You know, Tommy was, uh, to this day, outside of New York, or if you're talking about nationwide, I still don't think that he was appreciated as, uh, as the great pitcher that he was. I hit against Tommy quite a bit, you know, in spring training. We used to play the Mets, you know, and they had an awesome pitching staff. They had, you know, Seaver and Kuzman and Matlack and all those guys. And, and uh, it was funny with Tom in spring training, he didn't care about getting hit. He didn't care how many hits or runs he gave up in spring training until the end. All he was doing was just getting in shape, you know. And we had a talk about that one time, and he was he was something special. He and, uh, he and guys like, you know, Maddox and, uh, you know, and, and you know, Burt Blylevin, they're, they're special people. I had Kitty on last week, Hawk, and he was telling a spring training story where Seaver's working the outside part of the plate. Kitty tries to take one to right, ends up taking it up the middle, drills him in the chest. Seaver is walking around, doesn't want any help from the trainer or anything, gets gets back on the bump, and drills Ron Kittle. That <laughs> Good. <laughs> he should have. <laughs> no, I'll tell you. He, I saw him. We were in Toronto one time, and, and he went around. He had a uh, three-run lead, and he went around two guys to uh, load the bases. And Drysdale and I were doing the game. And, and uh, all of a sudden, he's got two left-handed hitters coming up. And I, I looked at Don. I said, Don, did he do what I think he did? And Don looks at me and nods, yes. He went around two right-handed hitters to get to two left-handed hitters, two young left-handed hitters who were really, you know, good talents. So he could strike them out both, which he did with change-ups. That's how he thought. And Maddox, I talked with Maddox one day. He and Gary Carter now were playing golf down at Smoltz's tournament in Atlanta. And uh, and I asked uh, Mad Dog about it. I said, do you go around many guys? He said, Hawk, let me kiss them. And I said, I'll go around two, maybe three guys to get to that one out guy that I know I can get, you know, uh, when there's two out. And that's what great pitchers do because, you know, if Mark, if you've got to have your good stuff and your good control, I've talked to too many Hall of Famers about this. If you've got to have your good stuff and your good control to win a Major League Baseball game, you're not going to win a lot of games. You've got to learn how to win when you don't have your good stuff. You've got to learn how to win when you don't have your good control. And that's what guys like we just talked about uh, mentioned and, and Catfish Hunter and guys like that, they will tell you, mostly Drysdale, he said he only had – his good stuff and his good control, maybe four out of every ten starts. Koufax told me the same thing. So, you know, it's, uh, in my career, I had the honor and privilege and pleasure to have hit against all these guys and then to become friendly with them after our careers were over, either through golf or through broadcasting or whatever. And uh, the way they these guys thought versus pitchers today, the way they're thought, is just – 180 degrees. It really is. You got so many guys today pitching that they're just scared to death of the bat, you know. And it's ball one, ball two, strike one, two and one, three and one, and in a lot of cases, ball four. 
They just don't want guys to make any contact. Where in uh, those guys, they wanted guys to make contact, unless there was a man on third, you know, and in less than two out, and then then they'd go for the strikeout. But uh, no, it, it, it's a different it's a different game today than in the era I played in. I'm wondering, Hawk. Uh, and by the way, as you start to tell stories, if you want to hear more more of Hawk's stories, you should buy his book, Hawk. I did it my way. It's phenomenal. Hawk, I was on my honeymoon. I read your whole book. It was a little bit weird that that's what I was doing on my honeymoon, but that's what I did. We can, we can talk well, about that's your problem. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> clearly. I'll tell you what, that's the last thing I'd be doing reading somebody's book. I mean, I was, I was on the beach in Jamaica, and you know what? I, just, I, was, I got involved, and I just kept going and going. I'm like, I did not know uh, a lot of this stuff. It was just phenomenal. It's a, it's a great book, Hawk. I did it my way, and yes, I acknowledge 100%. That was that was my problem. But you're talking about the pitching. I'm wondering if you are you seeing some level of progression with the thought process with with Lucas in particular. I think Dylan's kind of behind him right now, less experience. And obviously, you know, you got Dallas Keuchel out there who definitely uh, has that experience and seems to at least get some of the stuff you're talking about right now. Yeah, Dallas is the closest thing to that era and that thinking. Uh, and he's, you know, I've always said this in, in the telecast all those years. You, you tell a major league hitter, a good major league hitter, hey, this guy's got a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. That doesn't bother him. You tell him he's got a great slider. That doesn't bother him because if a guy hits for spots, you're going to grab some bench anyway. Uh, they can tell you that he's got a great curveball. It doesn't bother him that much. But if you tell a major league hitter the guy's got a good changeup, that changes the whole method of thought process about going in and getting that batter's box and trying to hit him. And Keiko, that's what he's done. What do you think Lucas last year, what brought him back, uh, not back, but what brought him into such prominence was the changeup. And uh, Coop is is wonderful. I don't think there's a – it's tough to say in baseball or football or basketball anybody's the best, but certainly uh, pitching-wise, there's not a better pitching coach in the game than Don Cooper. He's had the experience, and one of my things I used to do in spring training, one of my favorite parts of it was in the mornings, go down when he was working with some youngster and and, and listen to him. I'd stand right by Coop and listen to him, talk to him, you know, and explain to him, okay, here's Jimmy Jones at the plate. You know, this guy's hot, red hot now. And we got a man on third and, and, and two out and then one run ball game, so we can't. He'd give the situation, you know, to the pitcher. And and then ask the pitcher, what are you going to do? Let him have the accountability, so to speak. And that's what guys, guys do. Uh, rather than, you know, drill him this, you got to do this, you got to do that. What you do then is you take away one of the greatest aspects and one of the greatest traits that baseball players and athletes have. When you start drilling them like that, and that's what they're doing to a lot of uh, hitters today in Major League Baseball, you know, with the swing angles and, and uh, exit velocities and all that stuff. There are some numbers that are, that are relevant and pertinent and germane to, uh, to hitting today, and there always will be. But what they're doing, when you start doing that and you start getting the guys thinking about that, you're taking away their childlike qualities. You're taking away their childlike instincts. And baseball, you'll find out most guys who are very successful in baseball have a lot of fun playing it. And that's what I tell people today. My two grandsons play and the only thing I tell them is two things. I said, play your behind off and have fun. That's it. I said, I don't want anybody messing with your swing, and I told their coach that. 
I said, I don't want anybody messing with a swing or trying to get them, you know, into uh, uh, because a lot of those guys who are teaching these young kids today, you know, and they're getting paid for it, you know, in, in amateur baseball. Yeah, you know, they don't know what it is to face a major league pitcher. And it's just like Ted Williams said. He says, Hawkey says, a lot of times, he says, even as strong as you are, he says, you're going to go step in that batter's box, and that guy 60 feet, six inches away is going to be better than you are that night, and you have to understand that because he's a major league pitcher, and if he hits the spot, grab some bench. Yeah, you're competing against the best every night, right? It's it's not yeah. easy. It's not easy. Stay 300. No, it's not, yeah. It's, it's the market. It's, it's something that you have to understand. Ted, another thing he said, I used to love to talk with him. With him. He, was, he could articulate it so well. He, uh, better than anybody I've ever heard by far, he said, until you understand how to take an 0 for 4, you can never realize your potential. And that's I, one of my joys of announcing with the White Sox all these years was Paul Canerco. Because when Paulie joined us, he did not understand how to take an 0 for 4. He would just, you know, go into rages and rants and everything else. Then as the maturation process kept going, you could see he was starting to understand when that guy hit that slider with two strikes on it, right on the outside corner edge of it, he started to understand that he just got beat. And he would then look at the pitcher and say, okay, I'll see you. I'll see you in a few minutes, buddy. And it was great to see Paul even mature like that. And, you know, he wound up with 432 home runs. And, he's, and to me, he's a Hall of Famer because I don't like for people to tell me what guys hit. I like for people to tell me when they hit it. You get a lot of guys who can eat up and munch up on that secondary and tertiary pitching. But those starters and those 20-game winners, tell me who got those guys. And tell me when they got them because you don't get them that often. Hawk Harrelson on seven twenty WGN. The guy that hits what you're talking about, Hawk, in the clutch when it matters most. What do you think separates that guy? He's thinking. He's thinking in front of the plate rather than behind the plate. When you step in that box and you're you're thinking behind the plate where your hands are, where your feet are, and everything else. That's mechanical thinking. And the greatest thing I would talk to hitters about when they ask me and they want to come up and sit down by the, on a plane, I would tell them, let your thoughts dictate your mechanics, not your mechanics dictate your thoughts. And that is something, and golfers the same way. I had a great three-hour lunch one day. Paul Richards and Eddie Robinson and myself, we were going to play golf with Ben Hogan at Shady Oaks, but it was a cold day and it was drizzling rain, so Mr. Hogan couldn't play with us. And he was a big baseball fan. In fact, his two, his two pastimes were playing gin and betting baseball. He loved baseball. So he said, you guys, I can't play with you. My back is, uh, won't stand it. He said, y'all go out and play and come back. We'll have some lunch. So we came back in. We had a three-hour lunch. And I'll tell you one thing right now. He, he, he virtually said the same thing about playing golf. You know, in Chicago, it's the greatest golf city in the world. And uh, probably our Chicagoans love golf more than any other city in the world. And when you get out there and you start thinking about mechanics, and he came out and watched me hit balls for about 10 minutes and uh, never said a word. And he turned around and went back in. And so now we come back and now we're playing. And he said, look, he said, with your power and your strength, he said, and your swing, he said, you only got to worry about one thing. You don't have to worry about your swing. You don't have to worry about anything because what you have to worry about is trajectory. 
And he went, low, medium, high. Look, he said, if you learn how to control your trajectory, you can play with those guys. If you don't, you got no chance. So it's the same thing in baseball. you got to have an approach. The approach is the right way to frame it. And that'll take care of your mechanics. If you let your thoughts take care of your mechanics, and all certain guys, you know, this is where numbers can come into play. If you tell me that, you know, Corey Kluber, or 85 to 90% of the time, if he gets a strong right hand hitter up there with a 3-1 count or a 3-2 count, he's going to throw him a slider. Now, those are numbers that hitters can use to their advantage because you're talking about 85 to 90% of the time. And, and uh, But outside of that, as far as the swing angle and how you're going to approach it, that's bull****. That's my man, Hawk Harrelson. Hawk, uh, coming on back here with more part two of our conversation. Let's get a check of news right now, 720 WGN. It's going to be an amazing pregame show. Really confident that that guy's going to do a good job. Hey, Sox fans, the Chicago Sports Depot is now open every Tuesday to Saturday from noon until 4 p.m. at limited capacity. Get the newest Sox gear to rep all season long. For more information, visit whitesocks.com slash depot or follow at White Sox Store on Instagram. Continue our conversation with Hawk Harrelson in a second. We also must remind you that we can't wait to hear you cheering on your socks at Guaranteed Rate Field again. Let's talk 2021 ticket packages with plans for every budget, payment plan options, and more. Call or text Socks Text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com today. So as we continue the conversation with Hawk Harrelson, we're talking about putting that mental talent along with the physical talent and being able to perform under pressure. Hawk, who was the best at that that you ever saw? Carl Yastrzemski. Right off the bat, Carl Yastrzemski. I remember we were playing in the sixth game of the World Series against the Cardinals in 1967 and they made a pitching change. They brought in a left-hander to pitch to Carl. He had never faced him. This guy's name was Joe Horner. Excuse me. Uh, uh, Joe, I forget his last name. Joe Horner pitched for the Hot Sox. Anyway, they, and I had faced him quite a bit in the winter ball. And he was a short-armed left-hander. He was sneaky. And then, so Carl came over to me. I was in the on-deck circle. He says, you know this guy? I said, yeah. I said, he's about a foot quicker than he looks. And he said, well, I got no more than that. So we went over to the dugout and and Sal Magley had the pitching charts on the Cardinals, and he said, what you got on the, on this guy? So he was thumbing through it. He came, he said, starts all left-handers off with a low fastball to get ahead. Carl looked at me, pointed finger at me, and said, that's what I wanted to know. And he had never seen this guy, and this guy was tough. So uh, he gets in the box, and I go back to the on-deck circle, and there's two men on. First pitch, he threw him a low fastball, and Carl hit it about 15 rows over that bullpen out there in right center field at Fenway. <laughs> and I'll never forget this, Mark, is I'm watching him going around first base. I'm saying, Hawk, if that's what it takes to be a great hitter, we will never get there. <laughs> Why is that? So that's what, that was an approach. You know, he wasn't thinking about where his hands are, where his feet are, and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, He's thinking about having an idea of what they're going to try to do to him. And a lot of times, you know, moving Pete Rose, who got more hits than anybody else, and he said it uh, many times on, on the pregame show when they were doing, you know, with big, the big hurt, Frank Thomas, who was, you know, a, a smart, smart hitter. And Pete said one thing he would tell people when they came to him and asked him about hitting. He says, that batter's box is yours. You can go anywhere in that batter's box that you want to go. You can stand up in front on the left side. You can stand up in front on the right side. You can stand in the middle on the, you know, of it. And you can stand in the back on the right side, left side. There's six spots you can go in that batter's box. 
And he said, if you don't utilize those, you can never, ever have an idea of what you're trying to do because that way you're dictating you're dictating the action, so to speak, to a degree. You have a sense of control, and that's what you have to have when you're facing major league pitching. And I'll tell you, our club right now, we got a chance to be one of the best offensive clubs I've ever seen in my in my whole career. You know, these young players we got, they got so much talent, and it's, it'll be just fun just watching them, you know, mature and develop. I agree, and I'm wondering if Hawk thinks they can do it this year. Sure they can. Our pitching, we, you know, our pitching is not among the best. Let's put it that way. Uh, Cleveland's got better pitching than we do. I think Minnesota's probably depth-wise uh, a shade above us. But that doesn't mean that, uh, that Kenny and Rick are done doing anything because that trade dies rhymes with misnomer. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of trades that go on. After the tread deadline is, is up, but uh, this is one of the few. This is one of the few teams. Now that old five team we had that won the World Series and went eleven one in the playoffs. You know they came within six pitches of having five consecutive complete games. You'll never see that again as long as you're behind points south ever in baseball. And and this hot club right now, I've always said you got to catch the ball. The two, my two rules in baseball have been: you got to catch the ball first of all, and the next thing is don't mess with Joe West. So <laughs> if you follow those two rules, you know you got a chance to win a major league baseball game, and our club can do that because they are one of the few teams. The Dodgers and and our Sox, I think, are the two best offensive teams in the game, and they can literally they they can literally overcome a lot of things offensively that other teams can't. Well, speaking of catching the ball, Hawk, I'm wondering if you were the manager or you were advising Ricky, what would you do behind the plate? Because James McCann clearly catches the ball better than than uh, Yasmani does. I I like I like McCann as a player, period, as a catcher, and uh, you know, as, as a hitter. I said that when he was with the Tigers, I said this guy's going to be here in this Tiger uniform for a long time, and they got rid of him, and we were fortunate enough to get him. I don't know Yasmani that well. I've only seen him, you know, since he's been in the Sox uniform. I know he's dangerous at the plate. Uh, but right now, I would have to say that McCann is a better catcher than than uh, Yaz is, you know, from what I've seen. And uh, and that means so much. I know that Jill Ito was talking about, you know, the no-hitter when he threw it. And, and the thing, too, Mark, is, Having a catcher that understands each and every personality of each and every pitcher, and you got to put them, the biggest killer of performance is pressure. And you've got to put them in a position to where they, instead of getting a tight behind, they embrace it. They embrace the pressure. That's what great players do and great pitchers do. Uh, it's like uh, Nicholas asked me when they were playing golf and, uh, he said, Hawk, he said, let me ask you a question. He said, you, you led the major leagues in RBIs. Did you ever come up uh, to third base with a man on third and less than two out and choke it? I said, hell yeah, I did. He said, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because I choke it. He said, everybody chokes it. And that's when he went into, you've got to find a way to handle the pressure. And the way I started handling the pressure at a fairly early age was with the Hawk, you know, my alter ego. And I would talk to him, and we would, you know, try to get things straight. 
And then pretty soon I would say, all right, Mr. Pressure, I want you here with us because he's going to be with me one way or the other. And I'd say, come on, give me what you got. Give me what you got, you know, but I want you here with us. So I was embracing the pressure. Guys who fight it, they got no chance. I love that because people say, like, yeah, I, I never feel fear. Dude, of course you do. It's what you do with That's it. That's right. <laughs> They're lying, I'll tell you what. You're you're a liar. You're, you're, you don't know yourself at all. I love how you did it. Like, all right, I got my dude here. I'm bringing in Hawk, and we're going to handle this pressure buddy that's in me. I'm You're, you're coming with, too. I, I, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, well, you know, the thing, the thing too, is it takes a while to uh, – Guys get, especially in today's game, get so wrapped up in mechanics. They aren't able to think like we're talking right now. They're not able to embrace the pressure. They're not, they're not able to embrace Mr. Choke. You know, these guys are part of you, and they're always going to be with you. And if you don't include them, then right. they're going to stick it up your behind. But if you include them, then you got a chance to get along with them. Then you got a chance to perform. As I said, the greatest pressure in professional sports is, is pressure. The greatest that's that's the biggest killer of performance in professional sports is, is pressure. And you gotta learn how to handle it. That's why Yastrzemski handled it so well. You know, he won the triple crown there in sixty seven and I was hitting behind him and and I learned so much I learned so much from hitting behind him. In fact, Bruce Kornblatt, who uh, did this uh special for uh with me talking about the 67 uh, Red Sox. And they came to my home here in Indiana. And Bruce was a great, great uh, producer. And they were here about an hour. We were talking about 67. And he asked me when we were done, he said, Hawk, I got to ask you a question. I said, what's that? He said, you just sat there for 30, 45 minutes talking about what a great clutch hitter Yastrzemski was. I said, yeah. He said, you hit behind him, right? I said, yeah. He said, why did they keep pitching to him? <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, Bruce, I said, you're the first guy that had balls enough to ask me that question because I used to think the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why did they? I mean, obviously they were fearing something in, in the Hawk. She was about to go deep. Leave the well, you know, it's funny because I'd be on the on-deck circle and I'd say, all right, Hawk, let's get ready because they're going to go around the ass, you know, and Boom, there's a double. Boom, there's a, you know, two-run homer. Besides the last two games of the season, we had to win against Minnesota, against uh, Jim Cott and, and Dean Chance, two Cy Young Award winners, and, Car- and Carl went seven for eight. So, I mean, uh, you know, that'll tell you what kind of, But he won the Triple Crown in what they call the greatest pennant race in the history of the game. But I'll tell you one thing, and besides that, he was the best left fielder to this day. He's the best left fielder I ever saw. But, you know, you talk guys like Luis Robert, you know, and Eloy and those guys and these young Latin players we got. It, and Tim Anderson, what a growth. What a joy he's been to watch him develop. You know, several years ago, he was, for the first couple of months, he was the worst shortstop in the American League. And he, he just, he's got the kind of intensity. He's got the kind of, and I think Timmy embraces that pressure. He started working and working and working. And the last three and a half, four months, he was probably the best shortstop in the American League. And I've never seen a guy go from worst to best in one season. I've seen it happen over a couple of years, but not. And Timmy did it in one year. And now look at him. He's 
you know, the percentages, and you're starting to see things that you've heard me talk about in the past, too, is that managers have to load front end, load their lineup. Because 60 to 65% of the time, the team that scores first in a major league game wins that game. So why wouldn't you give your, your top hitters another, you know, over the course of a month or so, give them another 15 or 20 at-bats? And now they're starting to do that. Ricky's been doing it. And, uh, and uh, when you front load that in, and you, all of a sudden you put more pressure on that, on that opposing pitcher, especially young guys. And, and that's what we have. We got one more segment with the great Hawk Harrelson coming on back here. Hope you're enjoying our, our stop with Hawk. Love Hawk. I appreciate him taking time here. Hey, uh, tickets for the Chicago White Sox Charities Car Raffle presented by Mazda of Orland Park remain on sale until December, September the 28th at 1 p.m. You can purchase tickets for a chance to win a Mazda CX-30 specially designed by a White Sox fan. Visit WhiteSox.com slash SoxCar for more information. Love that underlining, by the way, of the journey that Tim Anderson had, especially out at shortstop. One more stop with Hawk coming on back here, White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Tell yourself you were going to be more active. You wanted to smile in your family holiday photos, but you didn't. Your life wants you back. Have missing teeth made you miss out on special moments? You're not alone. 120 million Americans are missing at least one tooth. Don't let decayed or missing teeth hold you back. At Eon Clinics, they've helped patients like you smile again with dental implants that look and feel completely natural. Smile with confidence and eat all your favorite foods again. Eon Clinics offers a free consultation, which includes a complimentary 3D CD scan of your mouth and a meeting with the doctor and treatment coordinator and an exact cost for your treatment plan. You have a lot of life left to live. Invest in yourself and find a permanent solution. Schedule your free consultation today. Call Eon Clinics at 844-365-SMILE. That's 844-365-SMILE. Or visit their website at eonclinics.com. Final stop with Hawk. Hey, Hawk, why do you think the White Sox can win the World Series this year? We have the right manager, we have the right coaching staff, and we have the right talent. I told Jerry, I said, Jerry, in all the years you won this ball club, position player-wise, this is the best talent you've ever had. Now, our pitching staff is nowhere near as good as it was, as it, you know, starting-wise, in 05. But uh, plus, we had a good bullpen out there. And you know what Ozzie did? Ozzie let him play. That's like Rick Renteria. He's letting these guys play. They're having fun. You look at our dugout. And you, most of the time, you'll see in these in these remakes, uh, retakes, I should say, and and replays, of the guys laughing the most are Latin kids, because these kids down in the islands don't come up with the swing angles, you know, and the, and the analytics. They see ball, they hit ball, and they have fun playing the game. Our guys here in the states don't have that luxury. They're they're taught in high school and college swing angles and analytics and the whole bit. And some of their childlike qualities get taken away from them. And most of the great players that I ever played with or against, they all retain their childlike qualities. Because it's a kid's game. It should be a kid's game. And uh, it's not right now. Yeah, I'm just thinking about you look at Eloy at the plate and you look at Luis at the plate, completely different. And they're both having success. Oh, yeah, and they will because they feed off each other. Everything in baseball is contagious. You know, hitting's contagious. Slumps are contagious. Uh, bad defense is contagious. Great defense is contagious. Everything in basic, uh, baseball is contagious. And these guys are having a lot of fun right now. 
And I was just checking the schedule, Mark, before you called. And, you know, this is what, in essence, uh, outside of the last three games uh, against the Cubs, this is, this is our last homestand, except for those three games, last three against the Cubs. And we got, you know, three with Detroit. We got uh, four with Minnesota. And make no mistake about it, Minnesota, they can put some points on the board in a hurry. And they've got some decent pitching, too. A lot of their pitchers, they, you don't hear about them because they're in the Midwest here at Minnesota. And, they, you know, what they're talking about Minnesota right now is not baseball. But uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And I, right now, I, I'm not a betting man, but if, right now if I had to say I'd bet you a dozen golf balls on who's going to win it, I would say our Sox are going to win it. I like that bet. You get some decent odds. I feel people are still sleeping on the White Sox. Short series, two, three-game set. You're going to have to hit some great pitching, which would be a step up for them at this point. I mean, they've, they've killed fours and fives here, Hawk, but I, I still think they can do it, and I'm confident that Lucas can pitch well in Dallas the same thing, that they can, you know, in a short series, anything can happen, but I still like their chances. I do, too. I've been in that spot. I've been in that situation, again, in what they call the greatest pennant race in the history of the game, and, and we had fun. We had fun. We went out there and we played hard. You know, I was first, uh, Mike Andrews, uh, second, uh, Rico Petroselli, Joe Foy, Yaz was in left, uh, Reggie Smith was in center, and when uh, George was there, Scott, when he was healthy, I was in right. And one of the one of the reasons we we won that pennant was nothing hit the ground out there in the outfield. And and uh, you know that was Boston a couple of years ago. That was that was the best off, outfield off uh, defense I've ever seen. Nothing hit the ground out there. You know, it had Mookie and. And those guys and Jackie. So, and uh, defense, you got to catch the ball. It's that simple. You can't give a major league team 30 outs when you're getting 27 and expect to beat them. Yep. Hawk, I got two more and let you get out of here. I really appreciate the time. Number one, I want to go back to where we started the conversation. So it's you and Drysdale in the booth, and it's Seavers 300th. And Howard Cosell comes in there, and it was clear that you guys had a relationship. I'm just curious, like, how did you become friends with Howard, and what was it like for you and Cosell? Because there was something going on there. Well, Kurt Gowdy, and when I first started announcing in 75, I've been announcing like uh, maybe a month and a half or so, and Kurt Gowdy calls me up, and Kurt says, I'm coming to Fenway, I want to talk to you. And I said, sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he comes to Fenway, we talk, and as we're talking, he says, Hawkey says, you got a chance to be a good one. He said, but I'm going to tell you one thing about announcing. He says, be the best piece of advice you'll ever get. He said, don't try to please everybody because you can't. It's impossible. So why are you going to try to do something that's impossible? So now another few weeks go by, and Coach Cosell calls me up, and he says, uh, I'm coming to Fenway, and I want to talk to you. So we met up in the press room, and we're talking, and, he said, I've been listening to you and watching you. And he says, uh, you got a chance to be a good one, but I'm going to tell you the most important thing about announcing is the best piece of advice you'll ever get. Don't try to please everybody because you can't. Now, here's Gowdy and Cosell within the space of a month or so. Both of them telling me almost exactly verbatim the same thing. And I said, there's got to be something to that. And, he, and then uh, Cosell says, especially in a two-team city. And Boston and New York virtually are two-team cities because of the proximity. Then you got, you know, the Sox with the Cubs and everything else. He said, because you're going to catch a lot of heat 
from uh, in a two-team city from the opposing team. It's like the Red Sox catch, uh, announcers catch a lot from the Yankees and vice versa. Uh, Cubs, who I like, I listen, I listen to a lot of Cub games, and they're announcing. It's, it's terrific, I think. I, I, I love to listen to them. But they catch heat, you know, and I told, I told Jason, Benetti, I said, you're going to catch some heat here because you're in a two-team city, and there are going to be some people who don't like it because you're a White Sox announcer and they're Cub fans. And I said, but you've got to have a thick skin and get past that. And he's doing a great job. Jason Jason's doing a terrific job, and I'll tell you what, he's a good announcer now. He's going to wind up being a great announcer. He is, and happy birthday to Jason. And we miss you, Hawk. Just know that. Beloved forever. And, by the way, no Hall of Fame ceremony this year, so we gotta, you know, we got to be there ready to roll next season here. We're, we're, gonna, we're planning on that, right? Yeah, next July. They made the right decision in the canceling it, obviously, because of the pandemic. But, uh, and they called me and asked me about it, and I told them, I said, I can tell you this. I said, if, if, if you're going to put it on this year, I'm not bringing my family up there because they're going to have, you know, 100,000 people up there. You know, Derek's going in, and uh, he, they're going to have people, Yankee fans from all over the world flying in to see Jerry Jeter, and justifiably so. But they're going to be sitting out there shoulder to shoulder in that pasture they got out there. And I told them, I said, you make, you, if it were me, I'd cancel it. And they did cancel it, and I, and I think it was the right decision. So next year we'll have the 2020 inductees and the 2021 inductees going in. It's going to be a great, great day. I'm looking forward to seeing you there, Hawk. I always appreciate you taking time. And, hey, maybe we'll be talking about a White Sox World Series this year. It's certainly on the table. Let's, let's have a lot of fun here the rest of the way. Damn right. Hawk Harrelson, 720 WGN. Five oh nine seven twenty WGN White Sox Weekly till the bottom of the hour, and then we got the White Sox pregame show. I'll have that for you, and then Andy and DJ from Guaranteed Rate Field. Game two of the three games set with the Tigers. Ronaldo Lopez on the bump. I started the show by the way asking you, what will you be happy with at this point in your White Sox season? Is it hey, just gravy at this point? They're going to be in the playoffs. Whatever happens. I'm cool with it's been a win. We're 28 and 16. We're in first place. And this is tremendous. So many young guys are having great years. I am satisfied. Or are we looking for a little bit more? You know what? If they dropped out in the first round, that would I'd actually be disappointed as a White Sox fan. 312-981-7200. I also have uh Rich King coming up, WGN TV, WGN Radio, of course, does uh, the games during White Sox spring training. We're going to talk to him before we get on out of here at 5.30. Tom in Chicago, what's up, Tom? Mark, as always, you're terrific on the air. You you, uh, tell uh, what's in your heart and uh, the way you love uh, Kenny. It just touches my heart because I've been listening to him for 45 years, and uh, I followed his career. And I just want to say thank you so much for your interviews, and I know you've had other ones with him. And uh, it's a terrific thing to listen to you and him get together because he he shares everything. He doesn't leave anything back. That's super nice of you to say, Tom. I love Hawk. Always have loved Hawk. And, and so do I. Yep, yep. And uh, we miss him, and we love Jason all at the same time. But, hey, Tom, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yep, and my, my pleasure. So, uh, look, 
I was, you know, we started out the interview with Hawk, and he's in the booth with Don Drysdale and Howard Cosell stepping up, and it was just so different back then. They were, there was a freedom for the announcer that, you know, you just don't, that out, the announcers don't have nowadays. They they were as big of as the players, and it was, and then when you get as big as Hawk got, uh, you could do whatever you wanted in the booth, like scream at Wegner and everybody else, uh, or leave the booth and go down because... You want to go talk to a White Sox player who just got hurt, which was amazing in uh, New York when, uh, why am I, my name is, I'm losing it, third baseman who was here for a cup of coffee, got injured, Hawk ran, I'll figure it out in a second. Let me get the King in here. What's up, King? Welcome to WGN. Thank you, Mark. I agree with uh, the last caller, Tom, that both you and Hawk are one and the same in terms of your greatness. <laughs> I am not at Hawks level, King, but I... I you could be, Mark. Uh, That's uh, the thing. You could be. Thank, thank take, you. Thank you, take King. Take some more liberties like the Hawk, and you will be as great. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, Hawk led... All of baseball and RBIs. I don't think that's ever going to be on my resume or or anything else that Hawk did. But thank you, King. What do you think of that question? Will you you're you're our our number one White Sox fan on the show. What will you be satisfied with this year? Is going to the playoffs enough for you, King, or do you want more? Well, Mark, what do you think I would say? And 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 I know what you think I would say. I, the whole enchilada. Arriba, arriba, weeba, weeba, weeba. So, so, We're going for that all this year. So the World Series hardware. At uh, a 35th in Shields. That's what I'll be satisfied with this year. So you're saying that if the Sox go to the World Series and lose, the Kings going to be disappointed? You, let me ask you this. Yeah. If the Dodgers go to the World Series and they lose, will they be disappointed? Yeah, but the Dodgers have been trying to win a World Series for years. The White Sox have taken a huge step this year. They won 72 games last year. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to hopefully win the division. I mean, to me, everything else from this point is kind of gravy. Although I don't I, – I, my answer is win one series. Win a series in the playoffs. I think after that – I think that's what the White Sox would possibly be thankful and, uh, and appreciative and, and satisfied with. But if you don't expect to win, Mark, you won't win. And therefore, I think we should expect to win the World Series this year. And if we don't, let's take the gems and learn the lessons from the season. But let's expect to bring the hardware home. All right. Look, the Dodgers, by the way, last won a World Series in 1988. Now, it's been a minute for the White Sox, but not a 1988 minute. 2005 was still, you can still see it in the rearview mirror. And by the way, the guy I was talking about with Hawk, we ran down to see him with was Todd Frazier, which was amazing. Oh, yeah, Todd Frazier, yes. I'm going out to Seahawks. See you later. See, I got to see yeah, Todd. That was amazing. Uh, all right, King, you're the best. I got it. You want the whole enchilada in, in your... The your, whole enchilada. I got it. I got the it. The whole enchilada, okay. Mark. Okay. Nothing less but the whole enchilada. Right. <laughs> a call to remember. King, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate Have it. Have a good day, Mark. Yeah, remember, you're the greatest. I'm right. Me and Hawk, right there. We're, we're one and the same. Equal success in this business. All right. Uh, Rich King, who's had a ton of success in this business and uh, has been very much involved with the White Sox at spring training. And had an interesting TV story that I'm going to tell with Rich that involves uh, Lou Brock coming on back here. So we will do that next. And Sox fans, you can catch all the action in 2021 from a private diamond suite. Host your closest friends and family with a customized food and beverage menu. Call or text SOXTIX to 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com today. And our conversation with the King... And the Hawk. 
Sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. Rich King next, 720 WGN. One of the greatest media members in the history of this city, WGN-TV, WBBM Radio, right, Rich King? Where You've been on... How many networks oh, have you not yeah. been on in this city? Well, Sports Vision uh, with the White Sox in uh, the early years. Uh, wow. Number of outlets. Yeah, I've been, been around. It happens when you get old. We had our unofficial White Sox historian to the show. Dan Dorfman was texting me today, and he's like, hey, could you get Rich King on to talk about when Lou Brock was in the TV booth with Rich, which, of course, I don't remember, by the way. Uh, and Lou, of course, passed away recently, uh, RIP to one of the greatest to ever play the game. What do you, what do you, can you uh, give us a little bit of history on that one? Yeah, he was doing some games, I think, for Channel It's so long ago myself, Channel 44, I believe. And uh, I knew Lou real well. He got uh, with the White Sox that one year, of course. And he's with Harry Carey most of the time. But I knew Lou and did a couple of uh, games with him. Actually, a couple, two games, I think. In any event, he was a great guy. Lou was the most gracious individual you could ever meet. And he was always very cooperative and very gentle man. And uh, my, my fondest memory, though, Harry showed up one day late for the game and had to do a pregame show and had nobody else to talk to. And he was supposed to be in the field. He showed up in the press booth and he said, I got no, I got to get the show. And all of a sudden, he saw Lou. And he said, Lou, get over here. So he asked first question about where about Anaheim, California. His first question was, Lou, what about the ocean currents out here and how they affect the ball? And I'll never forget Lou's face. He had no clue how to answer that question because he obviously didn't think it affected the ball at all, but he gave an answer. But <laughs> Harry, Harry always pulled it out. He got the interview with Lou and uh, got it on the air and radio and uh, then did the TV with Lou. So, but Lou was a great guy and a wonderful person, and uh, yeah, what a great player, obviously, he was a Hall of Famer, and uh, the great trades of all time, right? Ernie Brolio. Yeah, that was a, that was a winner on the on the north side of town. What, how, you were on the TV broadcast, what, in 80 and 81, Rich? Is that right? I think it was 81 with Lou. I, I didn't do that many games. I, I think I did one or two, and uh, I did mostly radio for WBBM with Joe McConnell, but Harry was on that group, and also uh, Jimmy Pearsall was the fourth member of that group. And I did some games with Jimmy and, of course, with Harry. So I did color for Harry Carey. Now, can you imagine uh, age 33 doing color for a, a legendary guy like Harry Carey? Uh, what, what am I going to tell him? He doesn't know. But I did uh, the best I could. In the second year, I started getting my feet on the ground in 81. And, uh, of course, we lost the rights. And that was the end of my dream job, which I – uh, ironically, I got in that business to be a White Sox broadcaster. And I realized the dream at age 33 for two years. So I was very grateful to have the opportunity to do that. Was Harry nice to a young Rich King? Oh, he was the best. Yeah. Harry Carey was good unless you were threatening Harry. If you threatened Harry's job or, or the guys who were uh, had the power, of course, uh, I was not. I was the fourth man on the team. Uh, Harry and I got along very well. He treated me great. He, uh, you know, took me under his wing. In fact, he's very complimentary. I, you know, I've done a little bit of play-by-play, and uh, the second year I got more play-by-play because Joe McConnell wound up doing all the Bears games in August and September, so I got weekends to do a lot of play-by-play. And uh, Harry was very good to me. He, he was very coached me a little bit. 
but you, if you crossed him, you were on his uh, bad side for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Those are the, how the stories go. Rich King with us here on 720 WGN. White Sox pregame coming up at the bottom of the hour. Sox and the Tigers tonight. Rich, when you look at the White Sox this year, and specifically the offense, where do you think this offense ranks in White Sox history? Best, best in my lifetime. Uh, no question about it. Uh, going back to the hitmen and all that stuff, uh, way better than 1959 when they won the pennant, uh, even better than 05. I mean, this is the best lineup. And you know what? They haven't even reached their potential yet. Uh, they're, all gonna, they're all pretty young. They're going to get better. And this is, is going to be an awesome offensive machine. And it's just a matter of getting now the pitching in line to where they can have a four- or five-year window here to do some real damage. I think they will. Uh, look at last night. I mean, I, I've been to most of the home games. In fact, I'm driving in right now. I'm parked here at the ballpark outside in the parking lot. Uh, Eloy hits the home run, three-run shot to win the game. Someday it's going to be Robert. Someday it's going to be Encarnacion. Someday it's going to be Abreu. Someday it's going to be anybody. You can name them that lineup. Anderson. All these guys can hit, and and it's going to be a, just a, up and down. The infield itself is going to be a an all-star infield. I mean, it's unbelievable the talent they have in that ball club. And again, I, it sounds crazy, but they have not reached their potential. I think uh, one or two years down the road, you'll see the full White Sox uh, potential. Also, the pitching, too. I mean, Dylan Cease is pitching pretty well. He hasn't reached his potential. So, uh, guys like that coming up. So, I that's a rosy picture. I'm you know, Mark, I was glad. I, was, I didn't think they'd make the season with this COVID thing, but now I'm glad they did because the White Sox had a chance to showcase the home run power and she a little pitched a no hitter, so the White Sox got a kind of a national buzz from this season. And as tough as the season has been, it's been a rough one. At least the White Sox got some notoriety. So I didn't think the season was going to happen either. I actually predicted the White Sox would finish six and two, and that it it would be done after eight games. So I'm more than happy that I was wrong. And I there's obviously been a total, it's been a win. 10 times over for the Sox so far. But I'll ask you the same question that I've been talking about on the show here, Rich. Like, do you, for them to have a really successful season in your mind, do they have to go deep into the playoffs or is everything gravy from now on? No, I don't think they have to go deep. I hope they go deep. I hope they make it all the way, obviously. But uh, this is this year is an aberration. I mean, this is, you know, teams have been out. Now I got, the, uh, you know, the Giants have guys down. and uh, Cardinals missed two weeks. I mean, and, and, you know, when you get to the playoffs, it's going to be anybody's ball game. I mean, uh, I've seen the Dodgers. And these t- obviously, the, the, you know, the talent is there on the Dodgers. But anything going to happen. I mean, you're talking about 16 playoff teams. Uh, you know, some team gets hot, pitchers get hot in the last week or so. And that's what it's going to come down to. So, no, I don't think it's a, it's a necessary they have a, a deep go into the into the off-se- playoffs, although I hope they do. I think they will. Based on their pitching, if Keiko comes back and uh, you got the Giolito pitching pretty well, and uh, you know you got two or three guys pitching pretty well, uh, you're going to be in the mix. Uh, Dylan Cease is in there, so uh, that's the way it is. The bullpen looks pretty solid, and I uh, hope they do. But again, no, I, I answer your question. No, I don't think so. If White Sox PR came up to you today, Rich, and it was and Bob Bechtol or Ray Garcia gave you a sheet of paper and say, "Hey, Rich, who's your White Sox MVP? Who would you vote for?" Oh, boy, that, that is a real rough one. Well, Abreu comes to mention, he was so hot against that Cubs series. It was, it was unbelievable to see the, how hot he was. Uh, yeah, he's always the MVP in my mind because he not only is he a great player statistically and on the field, uh, he's a great individual uh, in the locker room. He controls that locker room. And I, and I was the last guy, really, I did 45 interviews 
in spring training uh, before they shut down on March 12th. And I got to know a lot of those guys over the three years I've done these podcast uh, uh, webcast games for the White Sox. So uh, I think he's the guy that you'd point to as the MVP for a lot of reasons. But you could throw in, uh, you know, Eloy in there. You could throw in Giolito. You could throw in a bunch of guys. Anderson certainly uh, deserves mention. But if you're asking me to pin me down, I'd say Jose. Fair enough. Fair enough. Rich King with us here on 720 WGN for a couple more minutes. Uh, I want to rewind one more time here, Rich. We did a lot on Tom Seaver last week and his 300th win, and we had Don Drysdale interviewing him in the White Sox dugout afterwards. What do you remember about that club? Of course, it was you know after 83 and all that, and, and Seaver's tenure here. Oh, he was a great man, too. I mean, he kid around with you a little bit. I got to interview him quite a few times, and he was a great guy for a superstar that he was, very down-to-earth, very approachable, and full of fun. He was just uh, always kidding around with people and trying to you know, dig you a little bit and uh, ask you a few things <laughs> about what you're doing. And he was, uh, he was a good guy. And, I, you know, his record speaks for itself. Uh, and like Lou Brock, I mean, these guys were both great stars, uh, but they were down-to-earth guys, and uh, that, that's what it's all about for me. You know, you look at guys around the league and, you know, look at the guys who weren't approachable and weren't good guys. You appreciate the guys that were, and certainly Tom Seaver fits that bill. He was a great man. Okay, let's go back to today. Rich King gets to make the call. It's game three, opening round of the playoffs. White Sox playing, let's say, the Yankees. Series is tied at one. You can go with Dylan Cease. You can go with Dane Dunning. Who are you starting? Cease. Uh, based on a little more experience and based on uh, his variety of pitches, uh, very, I'm happy with Dunning. Uh, boys, all the injuries he went through, thank goodness he came out of that and is pitching well. Uh, but if you're, I think Dylan Cease is the man. Uh, you're talking about but what, what happened to Giolito? I mean, yeah. I got him in game one. You can't come oh, back. Game one. Okay. All right. All right. I, I didn't understand the question. So, all right, I'm going to go with Cease. Okay. <laughs> Rich, you sound as good as ever, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple seconds here and enjoy being on the ball. Enjoy being at the ballpark tonight. Have a hot dog or three for me. Well, there's no hot dogs. Just cokes in the press box. No they hot dogs. No food, but, Come on. But I'm man. happy. I'm happy to be going. Believe me. They could wrap them up. Okay, I don't want to get in the White Sox business. Rich, thanks so much. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, you, Mark. Rich King out at the ballpark. Veteran, think of I. I did not realize that he did White Sox TV back in the day. Thanks to our unofficial historian Dan Dorfman for that, and uh, the Lou Brock part of it too. I didn't realize that Lou was had some uh, White Sox history as well. So we are learning here together. Uh, all right, hope you enjoyed the show today, Hawk Harrelson. It was awesome to have him on, and uh, Cody Hoyer as well. That was sweet. 